everybody, this is Jeff Ashkin in Los Santos, California with Roy Cole in Jersey City, New Jersey, and Derek Kessler in Yokohama, Japan. And this is the podcast with the cast who used to have iPods, coast to coast to coast. Now, before we get started today, I want to give a shout out to the comedy podcast Brass Tacks, recorded in Denver, Colorado. You can join hosts Rick and Adam as they discuss bad news from around the world, talk about some of the planet's biggest idiots, and share true stories that cannot be unheard. Brass Tacks is available everywhere you download your podcasts. Anything funny happened on the way to the podcast? Not really. <laughs> I guess I know. I want to stop asking that. I know we're in the quarantine. It's the pandemic. I know <laughs> everything sucks. Actually, tell you the truth, no joke. I've actually kind of got used to quarantine life. I I, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much enjoying these last few weeks um, just as well as any other time. Um, and it's interesting to hear about previous pandemics, like. Um, there was a time when Shakespeare had to retreat to his uh, some sort of country home to escape the Black Plague, and right. he wrote like like a couple of his greatest plays like during that time. So it's kind of interesting <laughs> how like it's not like unique to this time, but at the same time, our time is better because we have all the stuff on the internet and YouTube and stuff. So we don't really feel like locked down i mean we're locked down physically but there's so much we can do we can access the world so much so that sounds uh, like uh that sounds like how this podcast was created right <laughs> like very shakespearean like lockdown due to the yeah. pandemic so we might as well make beautiful art together i agree so, i mean if if i had to pick a, a play that this podcast was on par with i'd say hamlet you know like <laughs> hamlet and this podcast equal in terms of artistic Merit, uh, I would say. Anyway, it's uh, time for a fun fact of the day. Most laughter isn't because things are funny. Less than 20% of laughter comes after jokes, according to neuroscientist Robert Provine. The rest is a reaction to regular statements and questions, like, how have you been? The ensuing laughter, however brief, helps form social bonds, since people who laugh together grow closer. So basically, when we laugh, most of the time, we're just nervous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny because I, I had a roommate who will remain nameless on this podcast, and he would laugh about everything. And I thought, man, I'm being really funny, but I think that was just his way of kind of alleviating tension, yeah. you know. And I'm I, like, man, yeah, Derek knows me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, was that? Oh, go ahead. Do you think he was just trying to make you feel funny, like he felt bad? Um, like he didn't find your jokes funny, but he wanted you to think that he found them funny. You know, I've, I've never been sure because sometimes like I, I, I felt like he was, and then other times I'd be like, oh, this will make him laugh. And he wouldn't laugh. It's like mm -hmm. when I wanted him to laugh, he wouldn't. And when I just was saying random stuff, it would make him laugh. So I'm like, I didn't, honestly, it threw me off my game, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, when I went to your house, uh, your apartment for like the first time and um, met this person, I was like, man, I'm on fire today, you know. <laughs> and then uh, realized I wasn't, which is unfortunate. 
You ever, uh, you ever start to tell a joke to someone and they laugh during the setup? Like, yeah. like not at the time you're supposed to laugh? Yes. I hate that. I hate that too. I feel yeah. like stopping the joke. I'm like, all right, this you're undeserving of this joke now. Yeah, I, I feel like stopping and saying just, why did you laugh? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like you're setting up for the funny punchline, but then this idiot's gonna laugh at anything so what's the I point will, anymore no I, I i honestly this happened to me when i was doing stand-up and it, it pissed me off but like i got like spontaneous laughter so i and i applauded, and i'm like eh, i'll just ride this i didn't want them to be prepared for a punchline that was not as good as the part they actually laughed at so i just moved on to another joke i believe derek has a fun fact he'd like to bring up <laughs> okay i would also like to offer up a Fun fact about Japan. Um, did you know that for the roughly 220 year period from the 1630s up until 1853, Japan had a period of self isolation known as the Sakoku period. During this time, most contact with the outside world was forbidden, which at times was punishable by death. Although they did uh, trade with some areas. Um, such as in the port of Nagasaki, they traded with um, the Portuguese. and um, There was some trading, but for the most part, the country was completely closed off. And a lot of people think that one of the reasons why Japanese culture is so unique is because it was isolated from the world for such a long time. And it's actually fairly recent, up until 1853, when America forced Japan to open its borders. It was completely isolated. So um, it's kind of an interesting look into maybe why Japan is the way it is. I mean, Derek, so someone who lives there, I mean, what are the things that you like about Japan that are so unique to Japan, Japanese culture? Is there a particular thing that you like? Um, you traveled a lot, so. Uh, there's, I mean, there's so much. I could do a whole podcast about it. But when I first came here, the first time I visited when I was in college, I guess part of it was that everything just seemed so different. And everything that I had grow up, grown up learning, which I thought was true to just being human, I found was just true to the people around me that I grew up with. And there is a whole other way of life. That was the initial thing that drew me here and made me want to move back here. And um, I guess, I guess one of the things that I like about it is the way that people respect each other. All right. It now seems like an eternity when you're there. There you we know. go. Yeah. Speaking of eternity, now, that brings us to topic one. Would you want to live forever if you could? If so, what would you do? And if not, how long would you prefer to live? This goes out to both my co-hosts and myself. <laughs> uh, well, my initial reaction is to say, yes, I would like to live forever. Okay. Um... I think it's just knowing that if we are mortal and we will someday no longer be living, it's sad to think that the world would go on without us being able to see where it goes. And I guess that saddens me to think that I won't be able to see where uh, human society goes. Um, to see all the new art, all the new music, and the new movies, and all, all that stuff, it, it's 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 like something that's 
constantly evolving. And then when you die, you, you're just like no longer part of that. I guess that part of it seems, feels very tragic to me. Right? Uh, no, is my answer. <laughs> I would not want to live forever. Okay. Uh, for a few reasons. Well, besides the obvious reason that like everybody that you will ever love is going to die like <laughs> before you, I, well, you're not going to die. You're just going to, it's just, your life is going to be an endless string of watching people you love die. That will be <laughs> your life for all eternity. But also everybody, when you ask this question, people always assume you'll live similar to how you live now in a fairly nice house, you have your Netflix, uh, you got a laptop, whatever. But they never think, like, what if uh, China invades the United States? It doesn't have to be China. It could be any country. Invades the U.S. and turns us all into, like, a slave camp. That'll be what you're doing for all eternity now, is, uh, is like, being in a concentration camp. Um, and then you have no escape, at least like the other people there, they have the, the relief of dying, right? At some point they'll just die and they can get out of there. Uh, but you'll be doing that forever. So most people I don't think, think I mean, to, to contradict Roy in, in some respects, I think the biggest factor in making the decision is whether or not you have the ability to die if you right. wanted to, or just corporally, oh. like you can be amortal, which means you can still die, but you won't die of what we call natural causes now. Right. But that's not the same as immortality, which if you're talking about something like in literature and movies, the uh, cliched version of immortality is that you cannot die and that thought is scary to me. If someone were to, if some spirit or um, greater being were to come to me and say, do you want immortality? Um, the question is if, because if you're immortal and you can't die, what if at some point, thousands of years in the future, the earth is destroyed by some sort of asteroid or something, and then you're just like floating in space for like, an eternity, you know, thousands, that, that could be like a sort of prison. Right. Right. You'll wish you That's were dead. The that I think of what Roy mentioned about your loved ones dying. I mean, I think you would have get to the point where you, because people die even now, right? That's, that's something that's a part of life. And I think there's, the, there's joys of life and there's um, tragedies in life. And I think you being immortal, you would go through both of those. I feel, I understand what Derek is saying. And actually, I actually understand what both of you are saying. You both make very valid points. I guess for me, it's like, yes, I prefer to live forever. But of course, I want to live forever at certain parameters. I want to keep my physical and mental attributes. I don't live forever with my head in a jar. And I don't live, like Roy said, I want to be a 300-year-old, you know. I guess I prefer to live like, I don't know, like late 30s, early 40s uh, body. And then I'd also like other people to be able to live forever too, if they have, you know, I guess if they're if they're good people, like not bad people, you know. No. I don't think any of that 
is going to happen uh, anytime. <laughs> Definitely not in our lifetimes. Um, I would say many lifetimes. I want to segue into a more serious subject. And we talked about immortality, and obviously we have a lot to say about it. But there's another topic I wanted to bring up. And this is, we don't talk about very serious. We try to talk about some serious issues, some non-serious issues. But we have a very serious issue we want to bring up for our second topic. And here it is. What was the best show in the Disney afternoon lineup and why? You have to explain why. Now, for those of our listeners who don't know what the Disney afternoon was, it was a, uh, seriously, not serious. It was a uh, specific block of programming that aired in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. I don't forget, I forget what channel it was. I don't know if you guys want to jump in here. But it had uh, these shows. And if you're our generation, you may have heard of them. Maybe if you're younger, you haven't. Or maybe if you're older, you haven't. But the shows that they had were Gummy Bears, DuckTales, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, Goof Troop, Bonkers, Gargoyles, Aladdin, The Schnookums and Meat Funny Cartoon Show, The Lion King's Timon and Pumbaa, Quack Pack, and finally, The Mighty Ducks. So I have my answer for what I think was the best show in that block of time. And that, sorry, I have my answer for what I think is the best in that block of programming, but I want to hear the, uh, the panel here. All right, Roy, you want to go first? Well, so before the podcast, Derek was saying that he thinks he already knows my answer <laughs> to this question. <laughs> and I bet, you, I bet you do too, Jeff, but I think I like do, yeah. Derek, Derek what, what do you think my answer would be? I think we chose Darkwing Duck. Jeff, what would you say? I honestly, since you, since you kind of quote Darkwing Duck every once in a while, I was also going to say Darkwing Duck. <laughs> uh, the correct answer is Darkwing Duck. Yay! I think I remember you. You can cut this out, but I think I remember going to your house one day. This was like when we were in high school or college, or I don't remember exactly when. But like, I think you were watching Darkwing Duck, and I was like, <laughs> I, uh, "You're watching Darkwing Duck," and you're like, "It's a great show. What are you talking about?" <laughs> now I, I own the DVD box set. Yeah. Now, why is it a great show? Oh my gosh! Where do I start? All right, if you've never seen the show. The premise is this, is a Darkwing Duck uh, is a superhero that protects the city of St. Canard from, uh, from evildoers and supervillains. But the crazy thing about him is that he has no superpowers at all. He's just a duck. I mean, he's like an anthropomorphic duck, but he's right. just a normal guy and he has no powers. He has a gun, but it doesn't even shoot bullets. It just shoots like a, a smoke of gas. And not like poisonous gas, just like a smoke screen for him to get away if he needs to. So, so he had no special powers. And who were the villains that he was uh, fighting with? It was Megavolt, who controlled electricity with his fingers, and Bushroot, who could control all plant life, and the liquidator, who was made completely of water. And he would regularly, like, ruin their shit all day long. Like, whatever evil plans they had, he destroyed them with just his, his like, duck ingenuity. He was just, like, more clever than they were. And, and also, on top of all that, while he was, like, fighting crime and saving the entire city, 
Uh, he was a single father to a daughter who, uh, who was like a good kid, like totally, she was a little bit of a troublemaker, you know? She was just like a good kid. And, uh, and he raised her on his own. She, she was adopted. He adopted her. And uh, he just raised her like his own child. And in the meantime, he like fought crime and saved the city. What, what, a, what an inspiration for, for people, for young kids. All right. Well, um, I also enjoy that show. It's not my pick for the number one, but mm -hmm. it definitely, but it's definitely up there for sure. In fact, it's very close to the top. But I don't want to. I don't want to spoil. I don't want to say anything else. Uh, Derek, you want to go next? Okay. Um, I don't think I'll be able to provide as uh, in depth of an analysis as Roy did because I don't own the DVD of the show I'm going to talk about. But I would. I would choose DuckTales. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, that's a good point because one of the one of the reasons is, um, I mean, it's got what is considered one of the best theme songs of any uh, animated show of all time. Mm -hmm. Definitely is a catchy tune. Um, I just remember watching the show when I was a kid and just really enjoying the adventures that the triplets, uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie went on. Uh, they're obviously under the care of their uncle, Scrooge McDuck, who is <laughs> a, <laughs> okay. uh, I believe he's the brother of Donald Duck. And Donald Duck leaves the three kids in the care of their uncle, Scrooge McDuck, while he goes off on some, some other, oh, he, does, he, 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 uh, he joins the U.S. Navy, believe it or not, Donald yeah. Duck. Right. And so Scrooge McDuck is ridiculously rich and it's kind of a Scrooge, hence his name. But the kids are just like these adventurous kids. And most of the uh, episodes involve um, some kind of reference to adult. I, I don't mean, I mean, sorry. It's some sort of reference to um, non-children's culture. Uh, right. Could be written to a Shakespeare play or uh, some kind of literature or movie. Uh, I think it's got enough um, enough qualities to enjoy, even if you're an adult. Um, uh, I just remember the episodes being really entertaining, really adventurous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to go back and watch some of these episodes, but unfortunately they weren't available to stream where I'm living. So I couldn't. Uh, so that's why I couldn't give more detailed response. Oh, I was just kind of remembering what I knew from childhood. That's pretty impressive, though. I would say, you know, remembering. By the way, uh, you talked about like the clever names of the episodes. Uh, hmm. Darkwing has an episode called Twin Beaks, <laughs> which, besides being a duck pun, it was actually an homage to Twin Peaks. Like right. it was a very David Lynchian episode. Like what cartoon was doing David Lynch? <laughs> but uh, it was like a David Lynch inspired episode of Darkwing Duck. And the name of the episode is Twin Beaks. So check yeah, that out. Pretty... All right. So I, I have to say, uh, you both mentioned two amazing shows. And my choice actually is one of the shows that was mentioned. And I swear, it, I, I made up my decision a week ago after I wrote this question. And I'm literally going to read what I wrote. I'm not, I'm, I'm, 
and this is what actually I wrote down. I said, it's difficult for me to decide between Darkwing Duck and DuckTales, but I give the edge to DuckTales. Yeah. DuckTales was the model for the rest of the Disney afternoon. It had sci-fi tales, fantasy, adventure, and it led directly into Darkwing Duck. But don't get me wrong, I, I really enjoyed Darkwing Duck very much as well. It's just that DuckTales came out first, and I feel like it's kind of set the mold for a lot mm. of the stories that came out after it. I remember Tailspin actually directly uh, utilized a, a story that was in DuckTales. There was an episode where, I forget which one, I think it was one of, the, one of the nephews wanted to make it like Friday, and they changed the clocks and all the calendars to make it sound like Thursday went in directly into Saturday. I, m- I remember that episode, yeah. Yeah, and Tailspin did the same thing. It did like the same plot, and I remember as a kid being like, oh, this is a ripoff of DuckTales. I couldn't really, <laughs> you know. Even then, even then, no. But I, I, I just feel like it was just, it broke the mold. But that's not to say I didn't love, you know, uh, uh, Darkwing Duck as well. I also like, I got to bring this up real quick because I actually researched this. Um, I was just looking up all the shows because I wanted to make a list of the shows so I could read them out loud to the uh, audience here. But the, um, the Chippendale show, I'm sorry, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, um, not the Chippendale show, that's a different thing. But, you know, um, <laughs> sorry, there used to be a time where um, if you did a Wikipedia search for Chippendales, it yeah. would go to like the exotic dance, like the strip club dances. <laughs> and, and then at the top, it would say like, this is the article dealing with the strip club dances. If you meant to learn about the cartoon chipmunks, please click here. How That's many childhoods did that ruin of kids? Like, <laughs> well, I, I had to bring up Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, though, for one moment because I also thought that was a very good show in terms of the, the, the types of stories they would do. And also, no joke, in my research, I found out in Russia there is a religion based around the character of Gadget from Chippendale Rescue Rangers. No joke, you can look it up. There is a religion based around that particular character. Anyway, um, is there anything you guys want to recommend? Um, I would recommend, since we talked about the possibility of immortality today, I would like to recommend one of my favorite stories of all time, which is the uh, Phoenix manga written by Tezuka Osamu, who is considered the god of comics in Japan, uh, Mm -hmm. who has written... Uh, you know, uh, Astro Boy um, is probably his most well-known work outside of Japan. But the guy who wrote Astro Boy also wrote a story called Phoenix, which is a 12-volume story in which the characters are constantly in a quest to find immortality because they believe, it is believed within the story that if you drink the blood of the phoenix, you are granted immortal, uh, eternal life. And so the first volume takes place in ancient history and the second volume takes place like 3000 years in the future. And the volumes as it nears the end they go back and forth between different periods in in history and in the future and um the characters in the story are the descendants of the people from the origin from the first volume. So you go all the way in the future, and it's the descendants of the people uh, from the the first story. And so it's it's just interesting the way um, it uh, connects all of the different time periods, and also you see all these different people who are seeking immortality for different reasons. And there's also a lot of 
Buddhist undertones um, that tie into the idea the uh, idea of resurrection, Buddhist style right. resurrection, and how that uh, possibly relates to immortality. So I've read through the story several times in Japanese, but it's also available in English. And every time I read it, I get something new from it. So I would recommend that. It's called Very Phoenix cool. in English, Hinotori in Japanese. And where can we find it? Can you get it on? Uh, can you order I think, online? So I, I don't, you can probably find it online, but I mean, my first instinct would be to go to like a Barnes and Noble and they have like a manga section now and you could probably right. find it there. Or well, how about you? What do you got? Uh, I feel bad because we're supposed to recommend things here. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> it's something you want to know. Usually, yeah, it's more fun to talk about things that are bad. You know? <laughs> Go ahead. So, you know what I watched? I actually rewatched it. I bet you both read the book, The Perks of Handle. Handle. What's that? You said you rewatched it. I guess too hot to handle. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, yeah. <laughs> I do need to rewatch that to relive the magic. Yeah. Um, no, but did you guys read the book The Perks of Re yeah. Did you read The Perks of Being a Wallflower? I just saw the movie. I didn't see the. Uh, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I saw the movie. I didn't read the book. Okay. I also I had read the book. I think in high school or maybe the summer between high school and college. And I remember liking it back then, mm -hmm. and so I just watched the movie. I watched it because my girlfriend read the book because it was in my bookshelf. So she read the book and then she wanted to watch the movie. So we watched the movie together. Uh, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> and Why is it terrible? I, it's, uh, I guess the word that the kids would use these days is uh, cringeworthy. <laughs> it's just, just the lines of dialogue, these like pseudo intellectual lines of dialogue that these little high school kids say. There's one scene where they're like cruising in the car, listening to me good music, and the main character is like, I feel infinite. <laughs> and it's, it's supposed to be like a very powerful scene, but we both watch it and we're just like, uh, it's just a, a line that makes you groan. And uh, there's lots of lines like that. And then, so every character is, is like, like a walking cliche. Like the main character is, is like a wallflower that somehow everybody likes this kid, even though he says nothing at parties or, or like shows any sort of interesting personality whatsoever. Um, then uh, uh, what's her face? Hermione, she's in there. She plays like the manic pixie dream girl. And uh, they're, they're all like complete stereotypes. But uh, <laughs> one of the funniest parts of the movie is that they make a big point that all these uh, characters have really good taste in music because they all listen to the Smiths and to Nick Drake, right? So obviously these kids know a ton about music. Uh, but then there's a scene where they're driving in the car. It's the same scene where the kid says, I feel infinite. And uh, the song Heroes by David Bowie comes on. Hmm. And all the people in the car are like, what is this song? This is so good. I've never heard this before. And by the way, this movie takes place in like the mid 90s or maybe the early 90s. So like even like somebody who doesn't listen to good music would know who David Bowie was. Uh, but somehow these kids who are like huge fans of the Smiths and Nick Drake 
Uh, they have no idea uh, who David Bowie is or, or the song Heroes. Like, they haven't heard it ever. Uh, yeah. No, I was going to ask you. So, you like the book better? Uh, well, you know, I read it when I was in high school, and I remember liking it then. But I feel like if I read it again now, I would probably find it as ridiculous as I found the movie. Well, it, uh, would, make, it would make sense that you would find it the same level of ridiculous because the person who wrote the novel wrote and directed the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's funny because you would think yeah. like, like, oh, maybe the author's vision was, was kind of compromised by whoever directed it. But he, he was the guy that directed it. So, so that was his vision. Like, it is funny because I, I thought more of the book. And like if I had read the book and thought like, oh, this is what he had in mind. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, yeah. there's, there's another funny scene in the movie where um, uh, they're in the high school cafeteria and the main character who's like a scrawny freshman who like definitely has never been to the gym like a day in his life uh, he, uh, he like beats the crap out of three football jocks at the same time <laughs> he, he just like goes buck wild on them and uh, it doesn't show you him beating it up, him beating them up, because I think they, they knew it would look ridiculous if they actually tried to film that. So they just kind of like do a quick cut to with all the three players like, on the ground moaning and bleeding. And, uh, and then it cuts back to the little scrawny kid. And he's like, if you try to hurt my friend again, I'll blind you. <laughs> it's just so ridiculous because he weighs all of like 90 pounds and they're like these muscular football jocks. And you know, like in the real world, he, he would get like his shit ruined. Uh, but in this movie, he's like the big hero. Anyway, I give it uh, two thumbs down. And uh, if you're uh, an angsty existentialist, or if you're having an existential crisis, uh, this movie will not get you through it. So, All right. Well, I was going to recommend a uh, docudrama that came out in 2018. That I hadn't seen. Uh, it's on Netflix now. It's called Waco, and it stars Michael Shannon and Taylor Kitsch and John Leguizamo. And I really found it fascinating. Uh, for those of you who don't know or lived through it, it's about the siege of the religious sect known as the Branch Davidians, who were living in Waco in 1993. Uh, I believe you know we all have some memories of that. But uh, it was just basically on TV at the time. We weren't. I wasn't really paying attention to the news. But basically, there was uh, a religious sect that was living in this uh, compound and the government found out about some legal weapons that they had ha they had stashed and they at first ATF agents that you know I'll call it tobacco and firearms uh, agents went to raid the place and it being a big disaster the FBI got involved and it led out it led to a standoff which was a terrible and tragic uh, with a terrible it led to a standoff that had a terrible and tragic ending what I liked about this show, though, it's only six episodes, six hour-long episodes. They focus on the people involved. It really humanizes uh, David Koresh, who was the leader of the Branch Davidians. It uh, talks about the FBI agents, the hostage negotiator, played by Michael Shannon. Just really getting this, the mindset of these people who were involved in this and what they went through. And I feel like it's very evenly balanced. It doesn't really... There is a couple of characters that I feel like are a little... Um, meant to be signified as, quote-unquote, the bad guy. But overall, 
I, I felt for everybody involved in the terrible situation that happened. And it just was a gripping uh, uh, drama. It was, a, it was a thriller, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I, I didn't know everything that happened. I knew the kind of the, the bullet points, but some of the uh, finer things, some of the nuances of the story I hadn't seen. Um, so it's on Netflix. It's called Waco. I, I recommend it. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to cover by sending us a message at coast to coast to coast podcast at gmail.com. That's coast the number two, coast the number two, and then coast podcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, comments, criticisms, challenges, anything. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You know, I'm starting to think that maybe people aren't emailing us because the email address is so convoluted. <laughs> I was going to ask you, so we haven't gotten any emails yet? Not a one.